you know, I don't, I don't have a very close family at home, so I've got, you know, a great team at work and, you know, it, it's where I come to be, you know, with all my peeps. And, um, and, I, and obviously I still love the cooking side of things. Yeah, I love the creativity and look, at the end of the day, I love eating. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Change is something people think about a lot. Yet taking the step often proves hard in many circumstances. But for those that walk through the door and make positive changes in their life, the rewards can be life-affirming. Zach Sykes is the head chef of Libertine in Brisbane. Zach, how are you? I'm really good, thanks, Huck. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. It's good to get you on the show. You're back in Brisbane where you grew up at a, um, you know, one of the great restaurants in Brisbane. What's things like at Libertine? Uh, yeah, it's great. It's um, it's going through some changes now. So uh, it's been yeah. I took over beginning of January, and um, yeah, it's it's been been fun. Uh, it's been a bit of a battle. We've had to build a new team, um, as well as um, do a menu change and just change. Uh, just a, a lot of changes happening for the for um, moving forward to the future. So. Yeah, you've cooked all sorts of cuisines through your career, which we can get into. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Libertine, some of the changes that you are making too. Um, so it's French Vietnamese. Um, people think it's a bit of a strange combination, but with Vietnam being a French colony, it's not really too far of a stretch. So it's um, yeah, I'm having I'm having a bit of fun. It's not really a cuisine I've done before, but I've I mean I love French food, I love Vietnamese food, and um, putting the two together was uh, reasonably easy. I mean, we've got some fantastic produce up here, and it's pretty, very similar to the you know to Southeast Asia and. Um, yeah, it's uh, look, I'm just having a bit of fun with some of the snacks and uh, my take on I guess what French Vietnamese food is. What's what's it been like? You know, we, we all know the challenges of the last sort of couple of years, but sort of working on a restaurant now and and changing it and changing the team is it is it quite different to say before the pandemic to that sort of role? Um, oh look, mate, it's it's difficult regardless of. Um, of the time. I mean, there's a massive shortage of skilled workers, obviously, but um, I've been really fortunate. I've got a fantastic team. Um, the guys are excited to be here. They want to, you know, they want to be here and um, it's really refreshing. They get excited about the food. They get excited about the produce and, um, you know, attitude is, you know, is half the win. I mean, you can teach anybody to cook, I feel, but, um, you know, if, if you don't have the right attitude, it's just an uphill, ba- uphill battle. So, Tell us a little bit about your childhood. What's, what sort of role did food play for you growing up? Oh, there was no food in my role in my childhood. Like I, I was, you know, I was a very picky eater as a kid. Um, not adventurous at all. Um, I fell into the kitchen. I was, um, you know, expelled from two high schools before I finished year ten. Was a bit of a, a reprobate back then, and um, you know, not much changed. Just got just got older. But um, yeah, I was I, I got a job as a kitchen hand at the Stafford Tavern, which is you know just in a in a in a suburb pub in Brisbane. Um, nothing exciting. Fell in love with the uh, the noise, the camaraderie, the banter, and then fortunately, um, I was 
naturally talented, I guess, with the cooking side of things. And, you know, some chefs noticed it and they said, you know, if you want to do something about this, you better go work somewhere good. And, um, yeah, so I moved, moved from Brisbane to Sydney when I was 18 and, yeah, discovered what the big bad world was like, you know. <laughs> so. what, what, what was Sydney like for you then at, at that age? Was it quite different to what you knew of Brisbane? Oh, mate, it was, it was chalk and cheese. Like, it was the mid-90s. I was living on Darlinghurst Road just in between King's Cross and Oxford Street. I was 18 years old. I was, you know, living my best life. Um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was eye-opening, let's just say that. Where did, where did you work when you first landed in Sydney? Uh, my first job in Sydney was Bistro Mars when Neil Perry opened up down at Rushcutters Bay there. And then I moved up to International and then to Pier. Do you have any stories of those times and working in kitchens and what it was like? Um, I remember one day in the kitchen in International, it was just before those massive hailstorms. And, uh, yeah, watching the, uh, the, the storm roll in through the, through the uh, kitchen windows, that was pretty entertaining. Um, watching the, the, those go, sorry, cricket ball-sized ha- uh, hailstorms. Uh, that was yeah, but as far as the kitchens go, like it was, it was very different back then. It was, you know, it was you had to fight to keep your job. Now you've got to fight to keep staff, um, you know. And it was, I, I found it difficult at times, but really rewarding as well. Like you know, if I wanted to work on the fish section, I had to make sure all the pastry section was sorted, and you know, it, it made it made me push harder and work faster, and you know, it was. Um, I loved it. I miss it and I loved it. But, um, you know, I definitely think the industry is changing for the better. But it's, it's missing some of its charm, I think. <laughs> Early on in your career, who were the sort of really important people that you worked with that sort of helped shape your career? Uh, David Rayner was a massive influence because he um, introduced me to Greg Doyle when um, we did a little, when Greg did a little pop up up at Barato's while I was working up there in Noosa. And um, he he was the guy that just said, "Look, mate, you got to go and go work somewhere good." And I'm just like, "Yeah, all right, cool." And then you know, working with Greg was epic. And then I met Steve as well. And I'm, I worked with Steve for eight years all up, so it was nearly five years at Pier and three and a half at Fishface. So um, you know, it was the beginning of something that sort of shaped my career, I guess, and turned me into the the fish cook I am now. So yeah. Steve Hodges has had an amazing impact on on people, and I want to get into sort of what it was like working with him at the renowned Fish Face, which was um, so amazing for Sydney at, at its time. Um, but take us through some of those restaurants, and because you've had so many head chef roles, what's been the really important ones for you, sort of through the two thousand? Um, well, Fish Face was my first head chef position, so that was. Um yeah, it was a big learning curve. I was pretty young then. I was only 24 or 25, I think. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, you know, we were doing, um, I guess, you know, some of the best fish in the country in, out of a little hole in the wall. Um, but, you know, we treated that fish like it was royalty. It, we, the, the fish got the love and it always has and... You know, always did, and it was always cooked perfectly, and 
look, people may have waited a little while, but they always got a good meal, you know. So it was a tiny little kitchen that we got our asses kicked in it. In it so <laughs> <laughs> the the chefs that have come out of that kitchen have all gone on to have incredible, uh, incredibly strong seafood games and an understanding of fish and and fish cookery. What did you take from your time working with Stephen in that kitchen? Um. Look, I guess it was about you know letting the letting the fish speak for itself. You know, it was more about the, the protein and um, you know the philosophy there was protein was fish, vegetable, and salt. So whether that salt was sea salt and anchovy or olives or whatever, a little bit of vegetable and, and the protein. So that was sort of our philosophy there. And I guess I've continued on doing that, but my food's a little bit more uh, involved. Um, Look, there's still the, the, the foundations there of the basic fish cookery and the fish is always going to be the, the star. But um, I just use some different flavours now. And, you know, I guess I've evolved as a chef as well. That was, you know, 20 years ago now. So, um, wow, saying that out loud hurts. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it was it was a great foundation. And regardless of my relationship with Steve now, it's um, – he – taught me some he taught me a lot and it was you know an amazing experience so yeah you you've uh, worked at so many good restaurants um from omega to um capital grill and working with the maryvale group what's what's the sort of really important venues for you that have helped shaped um your cooking um well pier definitely then fish face obviously um Look, when I went to work for Maryvale, that was great because I got to meet some amazing chefs there. I got to work with Lauren Murdoch when I opened up Felix. And then, um, you know, I became really good friends with Jeremy Strode because um, I went and helped him out at CBD and then went and worked over at uh, the fish shop as well. So, you know, they were they were some pretty good um, – Awesome, excellent um, sort of meetings there, and then also got to work with Peter Doyle as well up at Est's later in the uh, later on before opening up Coogee Pavilion. So uh, look, I, I've been really fortunate and worked with some amazing chefs, and just taken away what I needed from them. You know, as I got older, I realised that you don't need to listen and learn to everything. Hang on, this sounds really bad, but, you know, when you're um, trying to develop your own style, your own skills, etc., it's, it's you know, you don't need to do what everyone else is doing. You are allowed to be individual and, you know, try and do what you want to do and make yourself stand out. So, I guess, um, you know, Greg, both Greg and Peter Doyle were amazing for that. Um, Peter Canestis actually was really, really good too for that because he was, you know, not really one for boundaries, etc. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had a really broad sort of range of experiences from different chefs from, you know, all over the country. So, I guess I've taken the good from them and not the bad, but maybe some of the bad and not the good. But <laughs> well, well, well some incredible um chef alumni that you've rattled off there that you've worked for, you know, Lauren Murdoch, the late Jeremy Strode, Peter Canistas, the, the Doyle brothers. Uh, do you have any stories and of sort of how different they are as chefs to work with and sort of what you did take from, from some of them? 
Um, I guess I, after seeing them all in magazines and, you know, that, that was back in the day, pre-internet. pre, pre you know, internet. So it was like, you know, you'd buy the Gourmet Traveller, you'd buy, the, <laughs> you know, you'd wait every Tuesday, uh, Monday night actually and wait for the good living to come out. So, you know, you see these these chefs in the pages and you think, oh, wow, you know, one day maybe. And then, but then you meet them and you just realise they're just real people, you know. They're just like you and I. They're just, you know, in the, in the spotlight a little bit because they're very good at what they do, you know. So... Um, you know, these guys were like, you know, they were legends. They still are legends in the industry. And then, you know, I went on to work for Matt Moran as well. And he was another fantastic boss slash mentor. And he, you know, he still to this day, I still speak to him. He's great. You know, we, we catch up when he's in town. And yeah, but um, I guess realize, realize that they're just, just like you and I, you know. I, I sort of put them up on pedestals for a little while and then, um, and realised that they were just real people and everything they've done is achievable and, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Tell us about the move back to Brisbane. You, you know, you grew up there, but you spent a lot of time away from Brisbane. What, what lured you back to Brisbane? Uh, look, I think moving back to Brisbane was a combination of personal as well as um, professional um, Obviously, my life was heading, heading south very quickly. The move to Brisbane, I thought, was going to make a change. Look, it didn't. It just I just picked up my problems and moved them elsewhere. So, yeah. Got got to Brisbane, had a few more rock bottoms and then sorted my shit out. So, I'm coming up to four years sober this month, which is, you know, pretty good. But, you know, so, look, it turns out alcohol wasn't the main problem. It was just a good coping mechanism. So, you know, the getting sober isn't is just the first step. You know, still got to sort my head out. So, Change is, is such an important thing and such a challenging thing to do. You've sort of stepped through that door and confronted some of, you know, your own personal sort of issues. What, what's, what's that journey been like? And what's, you know, how do you push through that door and start to make change like you have? Look, it, it was it was definitely the hardest thing I ever had to do, um, like uh, taking that first step and you know realizing you've got a problem and that you know you're the problem, not everybody else. Um, but look, I, I gave up cooking. I stopped everything to concentrate on myself, and it was the only way. I, I basically made sure it was set up to to succeed rather than you know to give it any any excuses so stopped cooking did the detox rehab aa and then you know did that you know well, the, the 90 meetings in 90 days so every day for 90 days i went to an aa meeting and then you know and then the gym you know twice a day and you know it's it's pretty amazing how easy it is to fill a day off when you realize you don't have anything else to do so <laughs> but um yeah it it it, it was a massive um um, it, it was yeah, it was it was pretty difficult, but extremely rewarding. What sort of advice do you have for people, sort of, to go through, sort of push through that door and um, try to make change? Like, how do you approach it? Um, look, I guess the biggest thing I had to do was stop lying to myself and others. You know that the. the you know that I I did have a problem and it was okay to admit it and the fact it was also okay to ask for help. You know I um, 
I always thought if I stopped cooking, I'd sort of lose the passion or lose the skill. But then I also realised if I didn't stop what I did, uh, stop what I was doing as in cooking and just concentrate on myself, it wasn't going to work either. So I had to make that sacrifice to, you know, and it was nearly two years where I didn't didn't step in a kitchen. So um, I just really concentrated on myself and getting myself better. Did you come back a different sort of cook and with a different approach to food? I came back a better cook. I had a better palate. I was, had a better imagination. I was it scared the shit out of me going back into a kitchen because I didn't think I'd be able to have the creativity or, you know, that flair, I guess. And I, I thought that was because of the alcohol and the drugs and whatnot, but it turns out that was there and it was just a confidence thing. So um, I definitely came back and my first job was at Boom Boom Room and, you know, Jake Nicholson got me into there and he, he was the guy that sort of believed in me and... You know, I did two years there and we were cooking some incredible food there and, and I honestly believe it's the best food I've ever cooked. So, you know, I came back, I guess, driven, a lot more passionate, a lot more thankful and grateful for everything that I've done, you know, regardless of the partying and the fuck-ups, etc. I've still, you know, come out a decent chef and, you know, I'm pretty lucky to do to to have that still, so... You mentioned a bit earlier, and a lot of people talk about it, how the industry's changed a lot and kitchens have changed a lot from sort of a decade or two ago. You know, the, it's such a creative and high-energy um, work that's very stressful as well. Is it hard to get that balance and, and look after yourself and look after staff, but maintaining that creativity and that sort of high pressure that's in that industry? Oh, yeah, look, I mean, it's always been a difficult job, but now it's it's even more difficult because, you know, everybody's everybody's different and, you know, you're, you're also a counsellor as well as a head chef, as well as a boss, as well as a friend and, you know, so um, I guess, you know, with, with mental health being brought out into the open a lot more, it's, um, you know, it, it's definitely great because people are talking about, you know, their headspace, et cetera, and, you know, my... You know, I, I think I think that's great, but you know, at the same time, to, in typical Aussie Aussie style, people are taking the piss about it as well. So you know, it's like it's like you know, COVID. You know, I've got COVID. It's not really an excuse anymore. <laughs> you know? I just yeah. So I, I do agree that they're definitely changed for the better. Um, you know, the fact that you know the mental health is out there. You know, a lot more in. It's a lot more out there. Sorry, in, in people's minds, and um, you know, it's. It's okay to, you know, to let people know you've got problems and, you know. I don't know. Yeah, look, it's, it's difficult to say. I don't really know how to word it, but, yeah. It's 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 such a powerful um, and inspiring thing to see someone face their challenges and push through. And you said you came back a better cook as well and saw things differently. Do you, do you run the kitchen a bit differently now? Tell us how you run a kitchen to get the best out of stuff. Oh, look, I'm I'm still a bit of a clown. I like to have a joke. I like to, I I like to, I don't I don't want it to be a militant style where it's you know yes chef head chef down you know heads down etc. Like, I want the guys to enjoy being there. You know I, I get excited about produce and I'll go around I'll cook something up and I like try this taste this or I'll bring something in that I picked up at the markets and go, you guys ever seen this and they're like whoa you know it, it's 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 exciting to get people inspired. And that, that's what I was saying before, like that, you know, with, with the right attitude, it's so easy to get people excited and, you know, about, about the food. So I, I, I like to inspire people, 
you know, I, I don't, I'm good. Look, we all have our moments, and you know, but and it's it's a ridiculously high pressure job, and you know, and you, you're striving for protect. Uh, sorry, not for protection, for, for perfection, and you know. And and one thing I have learned is that you know my expectations can sometimes be unrealistic. But um, what I've had to learn is that not not lower standards as such, but realise that I sort of sometimes my <coughs> sorry um, sometimes my, I guess sometimes I expect a little bit too much, and and that's not anything to do with the chef it's just because i want the best and yeah the the brisbane culinary landscape you know from the 1990s to what we see now it's changed so much you've experienced all of that tell us what you what's great about brisbane and the culinary landscape and what you're loving and seeing at the moment oh look the um the weather's fantastic up here so there's a lot of outdoor dinings you know the 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 lunches on the river are great like where otto is now it's moved down to south bank and it's absolutely stunning sitting down there on the river i mean the, the river's not real pretty being brown water and all but um you know, <laughs> I just look. I think the the, the chefs have, of um, you know a lot of chefs have moved from down south and overseas, and realising that Brisbane's a pretty good lifestyle. Um, you know, people eat earlier. Generally, we don't we don't we're not out of. Well, sorry, we're not we're not in the restaurant past ten o'clock most nights. So, you know, it's nice early finishes. But you know, like it's a, but it's sort of that balance there where. You know, people eat a lot earlier, so the kitchen opens at five. So, but, you know, it's great, you know. It's, yeah, we've got some incredible produce up here. Um, I'm buying a lot of stuff direct because, you know, all of the seafood that gets caught up in the barrier reef goes to Sydney first and back up to Brisbane. So, I just buy a lot of stuff direct now. Tell us a bit about that. Who, who are some of the great producers that you have that direct contact with? Uh, well, I'd use, you know, some farmers up here, like there's um, a company called the Falls Farm there up in uh, Mullaney. They do a lot of all their, their farms, all organic. They do a lot of the, um, it, but basically they're a very seasonal farm and once it's not there, it's not available. So, you know, at the moment they've got some amazing citrus and some finger line, you know, um, all the different Asian herbs and um, starting to come into the citrus season. So again, some incredible stuff out of there. Um, I've dealt with Chris Bolton quite a bit. He was, you know, a, he's been he's amazing. Like his passion is second to none. His product is incredible. Uh, definitely some of the best seafood I've ever seen. Some of the best ha- best handled seafood as well. So uh, it's really good. To, you know, basically building up a relationship with him. It was fantastic. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, your food at the moment and some of the – is there a dish or two you can tell us about at Libertine that's sort of speaking to what you're doing there? Yeah. Uh, so I've introduced a little snack section to the to the menu. So we've got a little mini bun mi. So it's just um, basically a slice of crusty baguette with foie gras uh, smeared on it, a bit of crispy pork belly that's been marinated, a little bit of soy and some chilli with a fermented chilli mayo and some pickles on that. So that's just a mouthful. That's uh, that's pretty epic. Um, I'm doing a little um, 
French sort of style crab tartlet with some blue swimmer crab locally sourced with a little celeriac custard and celery salt. So it's a bit on the French, it's a bit on the Vietnamese and sometimes they meet in the middle. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> How did the gig come about with Libertine? Um, when I finished up at Boom Boom Room, it was I was, you know, I just put the feelers out there and um, an old manager that I worked with uh, mentioned that Libertine was looking for a chef and um, Andrew Batero and I got in touch with each other and we had chats and, yeah, and then all of a sudden um, I'm running his restaurant. So it was good. It was um, – but it was a good little chat. I was going to help out over Christmas beforehand, but I just wanted to have some time off after, you know, two solid years at uh, Boom Boom and just – you know, I just wanted to enjoy enjoy seeing the partner and her kids and you know, they it's just it's just nice to have some time off and not, not work over that silly season. We've had Andrew on the show previously on Deep in the Weeds. What's he like to work with? Do you have any stories of the relationship that you have? Yeah, look, Andrew's a great guy. He um he stamped his authority, you know, pretty early on when um I was late for the second time by a couple of minutes and um we both understood where we stand now, so I'm, I'm, I know he's big on punctuality. So, um, yeah, but in, in all fairness, he's, he's a great guy to work with, um, very switched on. He's um, very honest, very, you know, you, you have an honest conversation with him. If he says something, it's going to happen. So he's, um, he's yeah, he's, he's a great guy to work with. Well, you're doing some amazing things there and creating some change as well for Libertine moving forward. What do you love about what you do? Um, look, I, I still love the camaraderie, the, you know, the, 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 um, just the banter in the kitchen. I, I love that sort of family sort of environment. It's, you know, it's, it's good fun. It, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people... You know, I don't, I don't have a very close family at home, so I've got, you know, a great team at work and, you know, it, it's where I come to be, you know, with all my peeps. And, um, and, I, and obviously I still love the cooking side of things. Yeah, I love the creativity and, like, at the end of the day, I love eating, so. <laughs> don't we all? Well, Zach, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today and congrats on the, the new gig and look forward to seeing what you do there at Libertine over the year. Um, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Thanks very much, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>